The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. Got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We're going to talk to Jared Smith. Some of my favorite interviews I wind up doing is just talking about people that are really good at their craft and how they wind up coming about things. Jared Smith has become pretty much the savant when it comes to no run first inning, yes run first inning bets. He's got a spreadsheet much like I do for my sides and totals when it comes to no run first inning, yes run first inning. Breaks down all the sets and he even color codes it as well. So that's very impressive. We're going to be talking about how this one coming about, what he's been taking a look at in general, and some of the resources I use to be able to put it together. And then we're also going to be talking about what he's taking a look at for the Wednesday card. So that is going to be a lot of fun. I know that some of you guys are into yes, no first run inning. So I do think that that is going to be very solid for you guys that love to be able to take a look at those bets. So we're going to have some fun with it in the second segment. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. So you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore one. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you like to hear on this podcast. Five that five star review. Really 
really didn't wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Tuesday. So let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends and try to get in all these seems a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The New York Yankees win outright, but they don't cover the run line against the Oakland A's. Two to one the final. By the way, Frankie Montas now is 10 quality starts, and that's where you wind up coming six plus innings, give up three runs of fear, and the Oakland A's are two and eight in those. That's from our good friend Danny Vietti. And take a look at this Oakland A's team, and they got another good start out of Montas. Gives up two runs over the course of six innings, including a home run, as Marvin Gonzalez was able to get his third home run season. And for the Oakland A's, just a big giant dud on offense. They were able to get one run in the ninth inning to be able to cover that run line, but J.P. Sears, a pride of the Citadel. Five and two-thirds inning scoreless. Ron Maranacchio was able to give you in and out of the bullpen, and then from there, you wind up having Wandy Peralta and Michael King goodbye for two scoreless innings before Clay Holmes gives up an unearned run as catchers have interference. Catcher's interference by Jose Trevino winds up gusting the New York Yankees the run line on that one and behind Mr. Frankie Montas, Sam Selman along Domingo Acevedo. Both able to give you a scroll of saying the Washington Nationals wind up being able to get a 3-1 win over the Pittsburgh Pirates as Jose Quintana, very solid start, gives up one run over the course of second innings, but Will Crow, he winds up giving up two runs to two innings and Pittsburgh Pirates offense has been a worry spot, and that continues as Diego Cassio gets his eighth home run season. That's all that the Pittsburgh Pirates would wind up getting off of Patrick Corbin, who entered into this game with an ERA north of six, still north of six, but 12 strikeouts. That's a home run allowed over the course of eight innings before Tanarini comes in. He winds up getting a save, and for Patrick Corbin, he's now 4-10 and on the year, and in his 16 starts, the Washington Nationals, they're 4-12, and and they have lost 11 of those by two-plus runs. So, that was not a good showing there from the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have won two road games this month. Yep, it's not going well for them. My DK Nation pick was on the Philadelphia Phillies on the money line, and... Well, the Philadelphia Phillies came up snake eyes with men in scoring position, 5-3. to three. The Braves get it done as the Phillies. They go 1-10 of 10 with men in scoring position. That's, in my opinion, where this game was lost along Zach Wheeler, the guy who's given up three home runs all season long prior to Tuesday, and then he gives up two home runs in the first inning, going deep for the Atlanta Braves. Travis Arno, 11th home run season, and Matt Olson would also get his 11th home run season later on against Andrew Bellotti. He would get his 12th as Bellotti. He gives up a run and an inning, Brad Hand. He also gives up a run and an inning, and Corey Knable, outside the bullpen for Kyle Schwarber. He was able to go deep off of Dylan Lee. 22nd home run of the campaign as Lee gives up a run in an inning and Charlie Morton. Another good start out of him. He's now allowed two runs or fewer in three out of his last four starts. Gives up two runs in five and two-thirds innings though. And to pull a little bit of a magician act as gave up seven hits and four walks in that time span. Colin McHugh winds up being able to give you five outs out of the bullpen and then A.J. Minter comes in for the save. You did not wind up getting Kenley Jansen for any of you guys that were hoping for the Phillies to be able to pull it out. That was probably a good thing if you're a fan of the Atlanta Braves. The Milwaukee Brewers wind up getting back Brandon Woodruff and he looked like the old Woodruff. 5-3 to three, the Brewers wind up getting the win. No decision for Woodruff but one run allowed over the course of five innings with ten strikeouts. Very good showing there. From there, Trevor got Brad Boxberger both give you a scoreless setting. Jason Alexander is out coming out of the bullpen. He winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned before Devin Williams gives you an out out of the bullpen. And Josh Hader, he winds up striking out the side on 14 pitches. He gets a scoreless setting in for the Brewers. They bust it out with the bats. As Luis Urias was able to get a seventh home run season off of Matt Weisler. And Weisler also gave up the seventh home run season to Andrew McCutcheon. As Shane Boss, the boss wound up having a good start, giving up one run in five and two-thirds innings. And then Weisler comes out of the bullpen, gives up three runs in a third of an inning, including those two home runs, Ralph Garza. Jr. gives you two innings out of the bullpen, giving up a run, and then Charm Armstrong was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. The Twins and Guardians wound up playing a pair. The Guardians 
They wind up taking game one by a count of three to two before the Twins would take game two. But in game one for Minnesota, Devin Spolzer, very good start. Nine strikeouts, very uncharacteristic of him. While giving up one run in six innings, Griffin Jacks gets he jacks up scoreless inning out of him. But Emilio Pagan puts a pair of men on base. He gives up two runs without getting a single out before Caleb Theobar has to bail him out. Carlos Correa was able to get his ninth home run season off of Sam Hentages. As Hentages of the bullpen allows that home run in his inning as Zach Blesak, no decision, but a great start. Six scoreless innings. Eli Morgan gives up a run in an inning out of the bullpen as well before Emmanuel Class A is able to close the door. And then the Twins, it was all about them in game number two. Six to zero, the finalist. If you took the zigzag, Bet on the team that lost game one and game two of this subletter. You wound up getting there as Josh Winder, the Windy Man. One strikeout in six innings, but no runs allowed. From there, you wind up having Giovanni Moran give you two scoreless innings and Ty Duffy a scoreless inning as well. And trail of home runs in this one for the Minnesota Twins. Byron Buxton, he winds up getting his 20th of the campaign. You wind up having... Ore Palanco be able to get his eighth home run season, and Jose Miranda was able to get his fifth as for Cleveland. Connor Pilkington got the start, gave up four runs over the course of four and a third innings, and Yadier Los Santos gives up a run in one and two thirds innings, and then Anthony Castro allows a home run to Buxton in his inning of work. Anthony Ghost along Trevor Steven. They both wind up giving you a scoreless inning, and all of a sudden out there in the American League Central, it is the Minnesota Twins currently hold a three game lead over the Cleveland Guardians, and they're still six clear of the Chicago White Sox, but the White Sox built a little bit of upward momentum on Tuesday, taking down the LA Angels by a count of 11-4. Mr. Johnny Cueto, a starter which he gave up three home runs in six innings, but got the win because all those home runs, they were so home runs. Going deep for the Angels, Mike Trout is 23rd home run season. Andrew Velasquez winds up getting his fifth, and Joy Otani is 17th as Chase Silseth. He winds up getting recalled, and he gives up three runs over the course of four and a third innings, including home run going deep for the Chicago White Sox. Off of him with Josh Harrison, his second home run season, and then Luis Robert would go deep off of Oliver Ortega, his eighth, as this Angels bullpen is just garbage at this point. Ortega gets two outs, gives up those two runs. Aaron Loop was able to give you that out of the bullpen, and then Elvis left the building, giving up four runs with two outs. Elvis Piguero. Terrible outing there, and then Aime Badia winds up giving up two runs over the course of three innings, and a White Sox bullpen that has been relatively shaky. Not bad. It's Matt Foster, Jose Ruiz, both give you a scoreless setting, and Joe Kelly, he raises the ERA to an 838 as he allows a run in an inning. Probably should have raised his ERA a little bit better than it did, but he's just having that bad of a season. It's not necessarily been a great season for the Seattle Mariners, but they blanked the Baltimore Orioles 2-0 to the finalist. Robbie Ray winds up looking very good in this one. Seven scoreless innings. He gets a no decision because the offense just could not wind up putting up much around him. But Jesse Winker late in this game in the eighth inning. He winds up getting a two RBI double to be able to break the tie. Diego Casillo, Paul Seawold, they both give you a scoreless inning. And for Baltimore, he did win up having a bunch that they just couldn't generate anything on offense. Dean Kramer, who was terrible last year with north of a 70 RA, 7 scoreless innings. He's only got a buck 29 ERA this season. He has had a massive turnaround, but CNL Perez gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. He gives up a run, and then Felix Batista, he gives up a run. He wound up allowing that double to Jesse Winker. The San Francisco Giants get it done on the money line, but not the run line against the Detroit Tigers. 4-3 to three the final. Shreeks Gubel. Another bad start for him. He winds up giving up three runs in four and two-thirds innings. He's now allowed three-plus runs each out of his last five starts, and he really had been the most trustworthy starter for the Tigers. The bullpen, though, for the Tigers, it is currently in the top eight of the league in terms of ERA. Willie Peralta does allow a run in one and a third innings, but Andrew Chafin, Joey Menes, they both come in for a scoreless inning, and the Detroit Tigers, they score a run in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning to be able to cover this run line. Carlos Rodan, a very good start. Only four punch-outs, but one run allowed at six innings, and then from there, John Brebbia, 
gives up a run in an inning. Dominique Leon, Camille Yonaval, they combine for two innings. They both give up a run apiece. So the San Francisco Giants get it done, but not on the run line. The Colorado Rockies, once again, as a plus money underdog, they get to the LA Dodgers. 7-4, they are able to get it done. Clayton Kershaw, not a good start. He gives up six runs over the course of four innings, including a pair of jacks. As going deep for Colorado, Randall Gritchick, eighth home run season, and Elias Diaz was able to get his fifth. From there, the bullpen wasn't too bad, as Phil Bickford, Reyes Maranta, along with Alex Vizia, I'll give you a scoreless inning, and Yancy Almonte, he gives up a run in an inning against his former team, and for Kyle Freeland, not a great start, not a terrible start, gives up three runs in six innings, including a pair of home runs, as Enter Alberto was able to get a second home run season, then you wind up having Max Muncy go deep for his sixth. Trey Turner down for what was able to go deep off of Daniel Bard, 11th of the season, as Bard gives up a run in an inning before Lucas Gilbreth and Alex Calme. Both were able to give you a scoreless inning. The Walker Texas Rangers get another W against the Kansas City Royals, 8-3 the final. The Royals have now lost four straight games to the Texas Rangers and the Oakland A's. It is not going well out there as 55 shades of John Gray didn't have 55 strikeouts, but he had eight while giving up one run over the course of seven innings. Dennis Santana gives you a scoreless inning, and Jose LeClerc is back. He wound up giving up two runs in an inning, including home run going deep for the Kansas City Royals. Kyle Isabel for his first home run season, but John Easley, he gave up a touchdown in three and two-thirds innings. Seven runs surrendered, including home run for Texas. Marcus Simeon has not been living up to his contract, but he goes deep in this one. Eighth home run season. From there, a bullpen that's been absolutely awful. For the Kansas City Royals, actually was not bad. Taylor Clark, Dylan Coleman, Josh Kuas were all able to give you a scoreless inning and Amir Garrett. Lowers his ERA to a 638 while getting four outs out of the bullpen without allowing a run. Matt Peacock, he does allow a run in his inning of work. The Miami Marlins, they tried to go to work against the St. Louis Cardinals, unable to get it done. 5-3. St. Louis is able to get the WS Braxton Garrett. Gives up five runs in four and two-thirds innings. No home runs allowed, just a lot of soft contact from there. Anthony Bass, Jacob Yacobonis, both are able to give you a scoreless inning and Zach Pop, four outs out of the bullpen as St. Louis winds up going 4 of 9 with men in scoring position. As you wind up having Paul Goldschmidt get RBI number 65 of the season. Dakota Hudson, not necessarily the world's greatest start. Once again, just a bunch of contacts surrendered by him. He gives up three runs over the course of five innings before Junior Fernandez was able to give you two innings out of the bullpen. Scoreless Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Elsley. They both give you a scoreless inning as well, but for Miami, 3 of 4 with men in scoring position. So, they took advantage of everything that they wound up getting, but with that said, they do wind up taking the L in this one. Miami does. The Toronto Blue Jays, they cling on and they take down the Boston Red Sox by a count of 6-5 to five for Boston. It was not the best performance for Michael Walker. I always like to do this whenever he winds up having a bad start. For Michael Walker, we use our dying Pac-Man voice. Waka, 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 waka. Four runs surrendered over the course of five innings. From there, Ryan Brazier, John Schreiber were both able to give you a scoreless saying, and Tyler Danish. He comes in, he gives up two runs in an inning, and Enzo Robles, he wanted coming in to try to give the team the save, but instead he winds up allowing the two runs that he inherited in the ninth inning to score as for the Toronto Blue Jays. He goes 6 of 12 with Bennett scoring position. Ross Stripling gives up two runs over the course of five innings, including home run going deep for the Boston Red Sox. Trevor Story, his 12th home run season. Then Trent Thornton would serve it up to Rob Revsainer, his second home run of the campaign. And Thornton gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. Adam Simber and Jordan Romano both are able to give you a scoreless inning. Tim Meza gives you two outs out of the bullpen while allowing a run. And Matt Gage was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen without allowing a thing. The Houston Astros right now looking like one of the most impressive teams in the league. They completely clock the New York Mets by kind of 9-1 to one as 
for Houston. From Valdez, eight scoreless innings before you wind up having an inning from Ionel Lee Paredes. He has not been appearing too much for the Astros recently. He gave up a run in an inning, but for Houston, trio of bombs in this one. Jordan Alvarez and Yoli Gurriel both go deep off of Jason Sharif. Sixth of the season for Gurriel. Jordan Alvarez gets his 23rd, and then Carlos Cookie Carrasco allows the 15th home run season to Kyle Tucker for Carrasco. He gives up six runs, all of which were earned over the course of four and a third innings, including that home run, Jason Sharif. He gives up three runs while getting just one out, including a pair of bombs. Trevor Williams has to come in in long relief, two and a third innings, scoreless and Adonis Medina, two scoreless innings, but for the Mets, just one of nine with Ben in scoring position, and the Astros could legitimately be riding a five-game win streak if their bullpen was a little bit better in that series against the New York Yankees, which is just incredibly insane to think about. It is insane to think about what we've been getting as well with the Cincinnati Reds this season, but they got a win, 5-3. to three. They wind up taking down the Chicago Cubs as Jonathan India, who's been banged up throughout much of the campaign, gets his second home run season off of Rowan Wick, and... Wick wound up getting wicked in this one, giving up that home run in a third of an inning. Keegan Thompson lost four runs in six and a third innings as well. Not his best showing. You wind up having Mark Leiter Jr. be able to give you two scoreless innings. And Brandon Neves is able to give you none of the bullpen for the Chicago Cubs. They strand 10 men on base as for the Cincinnati Reds. Very sexy start here from Luis Castillo, getting 11 punch-outs, 6 innings of scoreless baseball. From there, Joel Kunal, he wound up giving the Cubs life. He gives up 3 runs in inning, but Art Warren, Hunter Strickland, they both come in. They are both able to supply scoreless innings, and this is a game that, as of right now, it looks like we are probably going to be going to a 10th inning. The San Diego Padres and the Arizona Diamondbacks are tied up 6-6. Six as I wind up doing this, I have to have this posted up by Midnight Pacific, but I'm able to give you what we wind up getting before Ghost Runners and Absolute Insanity as for the San Diego Padres. Chaminea gives up three runs over the course of six innings from there. Tim Hill and Luis Garcia, they combine for an inning. They wind up giving up three runs along the way before you wind up having Taylor Rogers come in. And as I'm recording this, it looks like Taylor Rogers just wound up giving up a run in the ninth inning. He went one and two-thirds innings. He wound up giving up the winning run. So as I wind up recording this, it is confirmed the Arizona Diamondbacks get the job done and the W. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, it was Mr. Zach Gallen who wound up getting completely destroyed. Gives up six runs over the course of five innings. This is a guy that some people were looking at early on in the season for the Cy Young race. Well, he's falling out of that. He winds up giving up a home run along the way, going deep for the Padres. No Mazar, second home run season. From there, you do wind up having Caleb Smith lend three scoreless innings of long relief and Mark Melanson. Got airy for him. He needed 25 pitches to get out of it, but he was able to give the team a scoreless inning there. And as of right now, with regards to what we've seen in Major League Baseball this season, 51.4% of games have wound up going under the total. 439 unders to 510 overs because we have been seeing a little bit more of an under binge recently. You take a look at the last 30 days, 194 overs, 187 unders. So right around 51% of games have been going over and it's been a very good time for favorites. 243 and 158 over the last 30 days, but home favorites having a little bit of a tough time covering the run line. There have been 46 instances just in the last 30 days alone, and this is with scoring seeing a little bit of an uptick in which home favorites have not been able to cover the run line. They're 149 and 104 straight up in the same period. 103 of those 149 wins have been by a multiple run, so that is something to take note of, and if you're taking a look at it overall this season, home favorites straight up on the money line. 415 and 291, but if you take a look at the amount of times that these home favorites have been able to cover the run line, just 283. So doing the simple math in my head, 132 times in which the home favorite has not been able to cover the run line. And with 
favorites in general. They are hitting at 60% overall for the season, 663 and 443 straight up. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting on Tuesday. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to Jared Smith. He does a great job over there at PicksWise. He is our lead betting analyst. We're going to be talking about how he's been playing these first run yes no props with regards to a run being scored we're also going to be diving into a little bit about what we're going to be seeing on Wednesday and just how he's been tracking baseball some of the things that he winds up doing why it's important to keep in mind that this is a little bit of a grind as well so we're going to have a nice wide-ranging chat with Jared next right here on the baseball betting show with myself Dave Peterson now a part of DC Family Podcast. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Greg, you're lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Vison Family Podcast. Great to be joined by our guest as this is lead betting analyst over there at PicksWise. He does an absolutely amazing job. Take a look at a wide variety of markets right now. It's a lot of baseball for him, but I know that he's been posting up a couple of tennis plays as well. And as we know, with the Wimbledon, Open getting going. That is going to be a massive one for him as Jared. I mean, really covers all the bases. He is a little bit of a baseball term, dives into darn near every market and does a really good job of it. And if you like my spreadsheets, Jared's are also very, very exceptional. And his are a little bit more different color coded as well. He winds up doing a good job taking a look at the hot and cold trends with regards to those as well. And to be able to follow Jared on Twitter, that is at Jared Lee Smith altogether. And Jared, great to have you aboard. Thank you. No, I appreciate it, Greg. A lot going on right now. Even though, you know, the, the NHL and NBA are over, we still got tons of things and, of course, baseball every day. Baseball itself is like a full-time job. Yes, it certainly is because, I mean, it goes on every single day. Like, sometimes you'll find a little bit of a smaller slate coming up on Thursday. We're going to have more like an 8-10 to 10 game slate. But, I mean, every single day you've got all these teams that wind up doing battle and I know that one of the big things with baseball in recent years has been folks that want a little bit of a quick sweat because we know that there are a lot of people that they don't want to wind up sitting through a three and a half hour game or something like that. So they wind up going, yes, run for a setting, no run for a setting. And I know you've been doing a great job with your formula for this. And I mentioned your spreadsheet. It's actually very good 
for yes, run first setting, no run first setting. Very good with regards to the color coordinating, hot and cold trends as well. How have you wound up just being able to get all this information, taking it in and busting up your spreadsheet day in and day out? So I'll be honest, it's been a process. And like I kind of started the spreadsheets a couple years ago when I was just tracking my picks. And, you know, we we, the gambling media space is, is relatively new. So it's it's gone through a lot of evolution since as have, you know, the way that I track my picks, the way that I track my data. Um, And I, you know, I was sitting down with my boss and a couple of, you know, other producers that, you know, work at PicksWise, and we were trying to figure out ways to be more engaging during the baseball season. And we all kind of decided that the Yurfy Nerfy bet has become kind of the soup du jour, but let's figure out a way to make it smart, to make it credible, to make it have a little bit of substance to it. And it's not just us throwing out picks because we're bored and, you know, we want to have 15, 20 minutes of action. So, you know, there are definable trends here and the real trends that I'm interested in, the offenses matter. And I think certain lineups, the Mets are one, I think the angels are another blue Jays that have had really good seasons uh, scoring runs in the first inning. But really I think the, the starting pitchers really is what drives the action. And you know, what we're learning here is more often than not a run is scored in the first inning. I know the, the public perception thinks, Oh, well it's difficult to score run in the first inning. Well, more often than not, more times than not, uh, runs are being scored in the first inning this year, and it's interesting to track how each starting pitcher does, especially home road splits. And you know, if they get hot, if they get cold, if they're coming off injuries, it's interesting to kind of see um, where the starting pitching data racks up as well. Like, are you walking? Like, you know, certain pitchers have high walk rates in the first inning. Well, those pitchers, I would be more inclined to bet the Yurfi because there's more, you know, batters, ducks on the pond. So it's interesting to kind of cross-reference the data every day. I've become a little bit of a wizard with Excel and able to get that information in in, in a quick process. I'm also up very early in the morning, as I know you are. Um, and and I think it's just time and, and, and effort. And also, this is a market that is becoming very popular, which means there's a lot of public money in it, which means there's usually value on one side or the other if you can kind of figure out where the right, where the right edges are. And to let people in behind the curtain, you say that you're up early in the morning. I wound up sending you the request to see if you could do this interview today at 4.34 a.m. Pacific time, and you responded within 10 minutes. So good I'm up on at you 6 a.m. I'm up at 6 a.m. I have a dog. Yes. I'm up at 6 a.m. walking the dog, and then usually by around 6.37, I'm at my desk tracking everything. But, yeah, I, I'm, I track every game by hand. I track every starting pitcher by hand every morning and every afternoon. And I, I'm working on a database that right now goes back to about 2019, but I'm working on a database to go back further with starting pitcher nerfy and nerfy rates. Because again, I think, you know, if you can get that data, just like the sports books need data in order to do their job effectively, I think this is data that no one's really hunted, you know, really hunted before because these bets haven't really been that popular or around for very long. But, you know, the longer we get into the gambling space, the more innovations, the harder it is to get attention, to get people to notice your content. So, I'm trying to do things to spice things up, to make things unique, because we're all everyone can give out sides and totals. And, and, and I know that that's where the bread and butter of our business is. But I do think there are some opportunities to get fun and get creative. And I think this is one of them. And under the radar as well, I feel like it has been a little bit easier to be able to take a look at a lot of these splits now as well as we do have Jared Smith joining me on the podcast because I do this a lot when it comes to taking a look at home and road splits with a lot of starting pitchers because that's a lot of what I wind up doing with regards to whether to back a guy, whether a fade a guy. A lot of my articles is pointing out guys that 
they wind up just being either like superstars at home or they're just completed utter fades on the road. And <laughs> I don't know if you've been able to find any good resources for this, but I know that ESPN has actually been doing a much better job of being able to track like first time through the order, second time through the order, things like this and baseball reference as well. I don't know if you've got any tools that helps you out with being able to get this information because it is incredible what you wind up doing. But I've found that there have been a lot more mainstream sites that have been offering more and more splits in recent years, which has made my life just a whole heck of a lot more easier than it was even in like 2018 yeah fangraphs is good a baseball reference i i use espn a little bit too honestly i the the, the tabs that i have open every day mlb savant uh stat muse is actually very helpful as well um i use stat muse a lot for player props because in stat muse i can say right-handed starters against the astros in june 2022 and like say, okay, well, uh, you know, out of 25 of them, you know, over 15 have gone, you know, over this many strikeouts or this many walks or outs or whatever. So uh, StatMuse is very helpful for if, if you're, you know, a little bit keen on writing those queries out. Um, and I, I use MLB.com, obviously, for a lot. And Props.cash is another very helpful site. That's a paid site. But listen, I, it, it's an investment, I think, if you're really in, in tune to this stuff. Um, certain sites you are going to get a lot more actionable information from. And I think, you know, there are so many sites out there. I think what sets us apart, Greg, is the ability to process that information and then to, I don't want to say dumb it down, but just to condense it into one or two bets or one focused message for that game, you know, that narrative for that game. So that's where the handicapping comes in. There's all the stats, there's all this data around there. The handicapping comes in is, is when you compile that data and how you compile it and how you condense it and how you regurgitate it back out to your audience. That's what I think makes this part of the job very difficult. Yep, and I do think that taking a look at just things as – and just taking a look at things like recency versus just career track record as well. That's very big because you can sort of form your own opinion based on one or the other as well. So there's a lot of ways that you're able to take a look at things. It's just all about being able to send the message as to, hey, the recency, I think, is something that you should be taking a look at. Or, hey, we want to be having a couple outliers as well. I think that that's very big. And you do a great job with all the information that you've been taking a look at it. When it comes to what you've been seeing with regards to yes run first inning, no run first inning, you pointed it out that we have been seeing a lot of runs. I don't know if you wind up being a subscriber to this, but I think that if you've just bet every yes run first inning, you're up a whole heck of a lot more slash down a whole heck of a lot less because you've lost a little bit less than if you wound up taking no run first inning, you'd be down like, I don't know how many units, but I know that you want to tweeting out just a big, giant, massive number. But I do think that there's a lot more value on the yes. And I think that just taking a look at yes, run first setting, no run first setting is so intriguing because how many people haven't you had tell you that life is too short to bet the under, but if you take <laughs> no run in the first setting, you're technically betting it under. And that's what a lot of people out there, the public wind up doing. It's unbelievable. There is so, and again, the the one thing about baseball is after a season or even after a half of a season, there is a sample size available for you to at least make some reasonable claim. Now, I know it's not a massive sample size, um, and I know we're just – I just started tracking this this season. This is going to be the first of many seasons I do this. So, in, you know, when we're doing this podcast in five years, Greg, we'll be able to speak <laughs> a lot more eloquently about it. 
but it, it's obvious to me after a half a season doing this, you know, I've tracked now a thousand, eleven hundred games. I, th- there is absolute edge on the yes in certain spots. Now it's not blanket because if you just bet the yes blanket, you're down 37 units for the year, even though you're, you know, 12 games over 500 hitting at 50 and a half percent. But that's to be expected because 50 and a half percent you would expect to be down on both sides. Um, the one interesting hypothesis I have, which gets, you know, got a little bit uh, weaker over the last two nights because the Dodgers uh, certainly helped that out tonight, at least, was the Yerfi at Coors Field. The, despite the fact that the yes at Coors Field will hit more than the no, which it has so far this year, uh, the no will actually end up being profitable at the end of the season. So far, that hypothesis is holding true, although over the last two nights, it got a little slimmer because, you know, the, the Rockies scored kind of a fluky run last night and then Freddie Freeman stole a base uh, in, you know, game two of the series and and were able to score a run. So, you know, it's 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 0-2 so far this week. But I do think at the end of the year, I'd be interested – uh, my hypothesis is that the Nerfie will actually be the profitable side, despite the fact that the Yerfie hits more than not. Yep, and I think that that just goes into something that's so important with baseball as well, because you're going to notice this every single year. There are teams that are below 500, but if you bet the yes. money line on them every single game, Orioles. you're going to be profitable. Yes, the Baltimore Orioles. Meanwhile, if you bet the money line on the LA Dodgers in every single game, they're 45 and 27 this year, and most people <laughs> would be like. Oh, you're 45 and 27 on your bets. You've got to be up like a whole truck one of load of units because of the juice that you're laying with the LA Dodgers. You're down money right now. And that's what I think is such a big thing about baseball. What I think just winds up making this grind so much fun is that you can wind up being a 50% better in baseball and you could actually be very highly profitable. Meanwhile, you could be hitting at north of 60%. But if all those bets that you're placing are minus $2, you are down very, very badly right now. And that's why I think it's so important about baseball and why if you are going to wind up betting baseball, you don't want to be just doing it for like a select one week and then you wind up dipping out for a month and then you come back for a week and then you wind up dipping out for a month. This is really a sport, in my opinion, that really rewards the grinders and just taking good numbers in general because there are going to be some weeks in which you wind up hitting a lot of those big plus money bets and then there are other weeks in which they wind up going cold. 100%. And it speaks to what baseball is. The NFL is the opposite. It's a seven, an eighteen-week season, um, and it's short. It's a marathon, or it's a sprint, and the baseball season is a marathon. So I, I think, and and that's to be honest, that's what the most you know most people that I interact with and that interact with 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 my stuff on a daily basis. There are a few diehards, as as I'm sure you've recognized, but it's very sporadic. It's very hot and cold. And the best advice that I tell people is this is not a hobby that is best served in and out and in and out. You will lose more often than not when that happens. This is a hobby that rewards consistency and effort and the ability to block out the noise and not deviate from your strategy. Whereas, you know, it, it, it's you, you can be a little more loose with football because it's such an inconsistent sport. But with baseball, I think you wake up every morning and you you know you, you eat your vegetables, and you if you do the same thing over and over again for six months, 
and you're you know following good information and you're betting good numbers, I, yeah, you're probably going to be profitable. Unlike in the NFL, I think it's a lot more variance because of the shorter season. So baseball, listen, if 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 you're not a grinder, then maybe baseball is not the sport for you. But I, I love it. You know, I, I love waking up early and you know redoing my sheets as I'm sure you do, and and just you know getting your mindset. It's a new slate every day. You're only as good as yesterday's starting pitcher. It's not like the NFL where things carry over a lot. Not as many you know fluky roster things that go on. Like it, the starting pitcher is pretty much set. So I, I I love it, and I think if you isolate the starting pitcher in each game, I think you can find yourself an angle somewhere. Yep, I totally agree with you there. And then obviously when it comes to football as well, you've got with every single team one game a week at the most. You're going to be finding a team playing two games within, I would say, about a five-day span. So you wind up having a lot of build-up to it. You wind up either being let down for spending so much time taking a look at it, or you feel rewarded for it as well. But it's not one of those things where you wind up taking a loss on Monday, you can just bounce back on Tuesday. But it goes to the NFL (laughs) – you got one game on Thursday. You got one game on Monday. During COVID, we did wind up having, I think that was like waft or something like that, where you had like Wednesday afternoon football like once. But that said, that's not a commonality when it comes to football when we don't have the pandemic going on. So that is one thing that is both a blessing and a curse with Major League Baseball as well. As we do have Jared Smith, does a great job with picks wise. He is their lead analyst. And when it comes to what we're getting on the Wednesday slate, is there anything that you've identified right now? We're doing this right around 6, 6.15 p.m. Pacific time. So we've got some overnights on these games. Is there anything that has really caught your eye, whether it be a little bit of a prop, whether it be a full game side or total? Yeah, well, I'll be honest. I mean, if you want the nerfy pick of the day, I'm going to go back to Coors Field again. Um, I, I feel like I, I, I have to just continue to bet this, especially Julio Urias has been pretty good in his career, especially on the road to his nerfy record. And Herman Marquez has had one of the best nerfy records that I've ever seen at Coors Field, 7-1 and one at home this year, 36-9 and nine at home since 2019. Nice. So to me, like that's a big sample size for a guy that's pitched a lot of innings at Coors Field. And it's clearly a good bet. It's going to be plus money again. It'll probably be plus 120 between there and plus 140, depending on where you do your shopping. I got it today at plus 145, and that was with Clayton Kershaw on the mound. So, uh, again, those nights – or, excuse me, those bets are, uh, you know, fairly juicy on a night-to-night basis. The other pitching matchup that interests me a little bit – um, let's take, oh yeah, Verlander on the mound against Taiwan Walker. That's going to be a fascinating one too. Verlander's nerfy record is pretty good. Um, I'd be surprised. Let's look at what the overnight is. Have they, I'm guessing they've dropped that line already. Yeah. Yeah. The Mets are slight underdog at home. Um, it'll be Mets off a loss though, unless they figure out a way to come back from this nine, nothing deficit. I know that that's been a very profitable trend mm-hmm. this season, but I, I don't know. I'm kind of in fade mode with this Mets team right now. I think they've been kind of hanging on for dear life without Scherzer and DeGrom. And now the floodgates have opened. They've had some really bad pitching performances and Carrasco's kind of taken a turn. Walker's kind of taken a turn a little bit. So, I, and this Astros team, I'll be honest, Greg, if, if you ask me one team today, and I know the Yankees are getting a lot of heat. I think the Astros are the best team in baseball. Uh, and I, I think it's just because of how consistent they are and the depth of their starting rotation in addition to their bullpen. But also, that lineup has been there. Well, they've been a five straight uh, ALCS series. Yes. Like, I, I just I, I can't see a world where they're not in the ALCS. And I, I got them at four to one to win the pennant like two weeks ago. It's probably still in the three to one range now. But I, the fact that the Yankees are priced ahead of them. I think it's just a proponent of home field, and that's it. And I think you're getting a little value with Houston. So I would take the Astros against tomorrow with Verlander on the mound. 
And I think that quite a bit of it is just the ridiculous record that we've seen in general yeah. with the New York Yankees as well. And I mean, to your point, when these two teams wound up doing battle over the weekend, the Astros, they wound up splitting that series, but they legitimately could have won all four of those games if it wasn't for a bullpen implosion on Thursday and then the Yankees being able to come back win that extra ending games on Sunday. Right now, I'm seeing it, by the way, at DraftKings plus 240 on the Astros to be able to win the American League pennant. I'm sure that other places might have this right around about a 250, maybe even a 275. But to your point, I was much more impressed by the Astros in that series rather than the Yankees. And even though the Astros, they do have a little bit of a rough go of it towards bottom of the lineup, you best believe that the Astros are probably going to be buyers when it comes to the trade deadline as well to be able to get those pieces, to be able to get that piece or two for that lineup. 100%. And and again, I, I res- you're talking to a Yankees fan here. I've been a Yankees fan since I was a kid. Like nothing pains me more than to see this Astros team continue to to put out winner after winner. But I, at the end of the day, I'm a handicapper, and 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 I call it like I see it. And this Astros team, they are built for October. The Yankees are not built for October. And I, I think they're a little thin at the top of their rotation. They're they're good at the top of the rotation, and I think they can get to a World Series. But I, I just think their, their lineup is too it's, – it's the same old lineup. They're too dependent on the home run. And if Aaron Judge does Aaron Judge things, sure, they can beat anybody. But let's be honest. In October, it is easy to pitch around, guys. Unlike the NFL, unlike the NBA, you can't uh, you, know, you know scheme out a star from a game like you can in Major League Baseball. And if it's just Judge and, and, and the rest of those guys are just kind of, you know, Homer or bust, like the Stantons and the Rizzos and the uh, Gallows, I mean, they got to figure out something to do with Joey Gallo. Uh, I just don't see the Yankees winning a World Series with this lineup as constructed. But again, Aaron Judge could, could, could wreck the game at any moment. But, but that isn't what I would be bet- betting on if I'm betting on a team to win in October. I would much prefer the construction that the Astros have with their lineup. And Chad Green undergoing Tommy John. I have a feeling that that is going to be hurting the Yankees moving forward as well. And a man that every single time he joins this podcast always delivers the goods. That would be you, Jared. You did an absolutely amazing job today. And I know you're doing an amazing job over there at PicksWise in general. And I know you absolutely love baseball. You do a great job with this with it this time of year, but I know you do a great job in terms of other markets as well. I know that you were putting out a few tennis picks a little bit earlier in the week as well. I know that you're dialed into just about any market that you can make money in. So well, the good people don't <laughs> know how they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, I appreciate it, but at Jared Lee Smith on, on Twitter. Um, yeah, the, uh, Wimbledon. So we, we have a guy that works for us at Pixwise who does a fantastic job with Wimbledon picks. Ricky Diamond, one of the editors on our website. So I always try to get his picks onto the show and, you know, I'll pick one that, that he really likes and I'll give it out as a best bet. And, you know, the golf markets, you know, and that's the one thing I, I, I love about working, you know, with the fine folk over at Pixwise is we have kind of an expert for everything and, Talking to them, their insiders into the you know uh, our our golf insider Diane Knox. She's the, the the sister of Russell Knox, who's on tour. So we always get an insider perspective, and you know she'll be on the show Wednesday to talk a little bit about uh, uh, the John Deere Classic coming up this week, and we've got the Open Championship coming up soon too. So golf, tennis, obviously Major League Baseball, and I think we're going to dabble in some WNBA and some PLL, some lacrosse this summer. So we've got a lot going on uh, over on let's bet it. So I appreciate the time too coming on. It's always great talking with you, Greg, always one of the, one of the greats, one of the hardest working men in the business. (laughs) And Jared is as well. And as you found out from our behind the scenes chat, a man that also 
is up very early in the morning, much like myself. Jared does absolutely amazing job over there at PicksWise, taking a look at a little bit of everything. He's doing a great job tracking. Yes, run for a setting, no run for a setting, which I don't personally wind up doing, but I know that a lot of you guys love it. So Jared is your guy for that, and he wanted to blame the goods out for that today. So a big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Winning Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. All right, that was terrific. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to get Jared Smith on. He does a great job over there at Pickwise. Take a look at the game of baseball. And does a great job handicapping so many other things. Does a great job taking a look at no runs first inning, yes runs first inning, do, doing a great job taking a look at player props. And when the football season winds up coming along, this guy is going to be on top of his game with that regard as well. Guy does a great job diving into so many different markets and brought the goods on the show today. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUNIT underscore 81. We're going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So, how about if we wind up beginning with this first National League game of 901-902 on the bang board? The Pittsburgh Pirates walk the plank to take on the Washington Nationals as Paulo Espino is going to be getting the start for Washington, and Mitch Thunderkeller is on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is anywhere between a plus 115 to a plus 120 underdog. Between minus 130 and minus 135 is your price on Washington. Nine is your total over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I did wind up setting my total at an 8.8, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I think that both of these guys are relatively sneaky, and for Mitch Keller, he's really been able to turn over a little bit of a new leaf. They were trying to push him out of the rotation. He wound up being sent back into the rotation pretty much out of necessity, and in the five starts that he's made ever since then, 296 ERA, so he has really been able to hunker down recently. One home run, give it up in that time span now. Walks are still a little bit of an issue. He's been giving up right around four walks per nine innings in those last five starts. And overall this season, he's been giving up more around three and a half-ish walks per nine innings, but keeps the ball in the yard. His strikeouts per nine rate, right around seven and a half. Nothing great, nothing terrible for Paulo Espino. He's a little bit more of a pitcher contact guy himself, someone that's given up right around one home run per nine innings. So he's been able to keep the ball in the yard with that regard while getting the seven strikeouts per nine innings. Big thing with Paulo Espino, he's not going to put guys on cheaply. He does wind up giving up about 2.1 walks per nine innings, and he's backed up by a Washington Nationals team that they do a good job of being able to get on base. The batting average is not the issue. The issue for the team has been they just haven't been able to get a lot of home run power. Josh Bell, 11 home runs. He's hitting a little bit above a 3 for the team, and Juan Soto currently leads away with 14 home runs, but this man was the odds-on favorite to win National League MVP coming into the year. He's hitting at 223. Has been a big, giant buster Rooney for him, and then take a look at the guys in the middle of the full. They've been able to get on base for you. Yadio Hernandez, Cesar Hernandez, keep it Weez, Nelson Cruz, Mikel Franco, all these guys in between about a 248 to a 268. All these guys, aren't they? Then Franco are able to draw some walks as well, but don't necessarily have that 
home run power. And then when it comes to this Washington Nationals team, the bullpen just not good. They've got Sam Clay now getting innings once again. Crowdwater Jr. has been halfway decent for the team, but Andres Machado has a 5 ERA. Arasimo Ramirez. Generator on a 4-3. There's not a lot of trusting in he along with Kyle Finnegan and for the Pittsburgh Pirates. All but five of their wins going into Tuesday have actually come out of the bullpen, even though the bullpen hasn't been that good when you wind up trotting out there. Guys like a Chris Strand and Eth Embry, that's not too terrific. David Bernard has been absolutely terrific. And Tyler Beatty as a long guy, he's posting up an ERA right around a 3-6. He's been halfway decent. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, the team has been a little bit more competitive recently, though they did wind up entering into... Tuesday with just two road wins this month. A lot of this is because their road schedule has been very, very difficult to say the least, but got guys getting on base for you. O'Neill Cruz, Brian Reynolds, along with Michael Javis, and you're able to throw in their Hoy Park as well. They're in between about a 235 to a 250 with Reynolds in a 300 over the last 30 days. O'Neill Cruz has been able to give the team 8 RBI in about a week, so that's been solid. Cabrian Ace, he hits a little bit above a 260, but then you've got some dead bats out there like a Michael Perez, Diego Castillo, Josh Van Meter, you're able to throw in there a little bit of power hitter in Jax Wisniewski. I'll even throw in there Daniel Vogelback, all in at 225 or lower, though I will say Fritz Wisniewski. He has been able to give the team 12 home runs. Pittsburgh, they themselves don't wind up having a lot of home run power, so I do think that both of these guys are going to be able to keep the ball in the yard. Was willing to take Keller as long as I was getting north of a plus 115. I am seeing some 120s. He's really been able to turn over a little bit of a new leaf, so I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the Pittsburgh Pirates. I do think that both of these starters are being a little bit dogged in this spot as well, so we're going to be taking a look at the under to go along with the Buccos plus price. 903-904 on the betting board. You've got the San Diego Padres. They're going to be on the road facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks as Medbone, Madison Bumgarner is going to be on the bump for the Snakes, and Mike Levenger is on the bump for San Diego. San Diego is any between a minus 133 to a minus 140 favorite. Meanwhile, between plus 120 and plus 125 is your price on Arizona. 8.5 is your total. Another price in which the over any under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115, and I wound up saying the Padres as more around a minus 130-ish favorite. If you take a look at the run line right now, you're finding that anywhere between a plus 125 to a plus 130 on the Padres. I would need more like a plus 135 here, so this is a little bit of a weighted out situation if we wind up seeing my, more minus 140s wind up coming up to the board. We should be able to get right around a plus 130 on the Arizona Diamondbacks, and once we wind up reaching that plus 130 price, that'll be my buy point on Arizona, so need to see things settle a little bit more in the AM in terms of that, but at a 130 or less laying it, I'd be willing to do so on San Diego. I'd be willing to take a plus 130 or more with Arizona and if we wind up actually having Arizona getting a run and half more round of minus 135, I'd be willing to nibble there as well. But with Madison Baumgartner, his last start against the San Diego Padres was that great. Four innings pitch, he gave up six runs, four of which were earned, just cataclysmically bad. Prior to that, he had given up two earned runs or fewer in three out of his last four starts. You sort of know what to expect out of Madison Baumgartner right now. He's given up 1.45 home runs per nine innings. Not a lot of swing and miss with him, right around six half punch outs per nine innings, but will do a good job with his command right around three walks per nine innings and has been better at home than on the road. 313 home ERA, 438 ERA on the road with opponents overall hitting about a 265 off of him. And for Mike Clevenger, he just is not giving you a lot of length right now. He has won five innings or fewer in every one of his appearances thus far this season after he wound up missing all the 2021 season. So he's sort of starting to get ramped up a little bit more. Now, what Clevenger has been able to do a solid job of is still having his good swing and miss stuff. He's getting nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He's given up three home runs over the course of about 23 innings. Nothing great, nothing terrible there. Just been a really small sample size in general 
for Clevenger. You got to expect him to go somewhere between four and five innings, and then you're going to need the bullpen from there to be able to pick it up. And you do have a guy in Nabel Crisman who's able to give you multiple innings and has been very good out there in the bullpen. A sub two ERA. Ray Kerr might be called upon as well. He's been someone that has been sort of going up and down. He has not necessarily been too terrific for this bullpen. Craig Salmon, he's been able to rein it in a little bit more recently. A sub 3-3 ERA. Luis Garcia, after a rough start to the season, he's been a little bit better as well. And for Arizona, Joe Benantipoli has really been the guy that has been lights out for this bullpen. It's started to get hit around a little bit more, but he still has a buck 29 ERA, so he's been able to do his job. Kyle Nelson, sub-2 ERA. Sean Poppin has been able to do an okay job, but when you wind up getting to guys like J.B. Wendelkin, Noe Ramirez, Mark Melanson, that's where things can wind up going awry for this team and for Arizona. You take a look at the team batting average, it's in the bottom three in the big leagues. You just don't have guys that are able to get on base for this bunch. You do have a trio in Alec Thompson along with Kitao Marte and Josh Ross in between about a 250 to a 267. Thomas doesn't wind up giving you a lot of home run power, but you do wind up getting that out of Christian Walker. 19 home runs, but for Arizona, this is a bunch of, they're in the top five in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis when they're on the road. At home, they're averaging a little bit less than a home run per contest, so when they wind up getting to Arizona, it's as if their superpowers wind up getting zapped a little bit, and for the San Diego Padres, they're actually leading the league in terms of runs per game on the road, but they're still with home Manny Machado right now. That is a big issue for the team as with the starting lineup that they trotted out there on Tuesday. Nobody hitting more than eight home runs thus far this season, but you do have a couple guys that are starting to get on base for you. Jorge Alfaro, Eric Cosmer. These guys are hitting at 280. No Mazzara. Limited amount of at-pads, but he's hitting at 300. Drickson Profar, Jake Cronenworth, hitting between about a 242 and 250, but Trent Christian has been a buster rooney for the team. Luke Voigt, he just has not been able to duplicate what he did in 2020 when he actually led the lake in terms of home runs. Now, that was the pandemic-shortened season, but I do take a look at this situation. I think that the Padres are really going to have to dive deep into their bullpen. Madison Bumgarner, he's been giving up the deep ball a little bit this season, and with the Padres, I do think that there is something to them being able to hit on the road just because Petco Park, it is a little bit more pitcher-friendly, so I did wind up saying my total at an 8.8. I'm going to be looking over in this spot, and with regards to the money line, it all depends on where we wind up going. If this dips down to a minus 130 on the Padres, I'd be willing to take that. If we wind up getting up to a plus 130 on Arizona, I'd be willing to take the snake, so that is going to be all about the way that this line winds up moving overnight. 905-906 on the main board, the Atlanta Braves. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. One of dangerous what is is going to be on the bump for the Phils. And you've got Kyle Wright, who hopes to be Mr. Wright. For Atlanta and the Braves, they are finding themselves in between a minus 130 to a minus 145 favorite. Meanwhile, with the Phils, it's anywhere between plus 120 and plus 125. 8-8.5 is your total on the 8 over is minus 120. The under is even on the 8.5. The under is minus 120 and the over is even. When it comes to Phillies, I needed at least a plus 118 to be able to take a shot. We're seeing north of a plus 120 everywhere that has a line right now. So I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the Phillies. Now for Rangers, Suarez has not been a tremendous year for him. Swing and miss stuff has just not been there. As he's getting right around seven strikeouts per nine innings. Home runs have not really been an issue for him. He's given up one home run per nine innings. But he's also been having a tough time with his command. Right around four blocks per nine innings. And he's actually been worse at home. Then he has been on the road. This despite the fact that he's given up five home runs on the road, three home runs at home. Opponent's batting average is about 35 points higher when he is at home. 510 ERA at home compared to a 361 on the road. And for Kyle Wright, this guy's been Mr. Wright at home and on the road. As a matter of fact, he's actually got a little bit of a lower road ERA at a 310 in his five road starts. He's given up just one home run. I do think that there might be 
A little bit of negative regression there. Now, he also does not wind up having a face-off against Bryce Harper, who's going to be out of the fold for quite a while for this Philadelphia Phillies team. But even without Harper, this is a Philadelphia Phillies team that they still got quite a bit of firepower. You got Odubo Herrera, Reese Hoskins, Nick Cassianos, JT Ryumito. You're able to throw in there Yohan Camargo, only between about a 235 to a 250 for the team. Kyle Schwarber, he's only being about a 220, but 20 plus home runs out of him. He's Hoskins over the last three days has been one of the more underrated hitters out there in all of baseball. His last three days, hitting right around 290, he's been able to supply six home runs in that time span as well. And for Atlanta, they wound up getting a pair of home runs in the first inning yesterday out of Matt Olson and Travis Arno. They both have been able to provide a double digit amount of bombs. You've got Olson and Riley both hitting right around about a 250 ish. And with Riley, he's been able to supply 18 home runs. Dansby Swanson, what more could be said about him? Hitting above a 300, hitting for power 13 home runs, double digit amount of stolen bases. Guy is all the goods. Now, they are also dealing with, though, Ronald Acuna Jr., who's been dealing with a little bit of an injury. Orlando Arce, after he wound up having a hot start, filling in for Ozzy Albies. He's starting to take a little bit of a dip in terms of his batting average. Michael Harris, the second young guy out there in the outfield. He's been able to above a 300 for the Atlanta Braves. They do have a little bit of a leg up when it comes to this bullpen, even with Tyler Madsick out of the fold. A.J. Minter has been lights out for this team. He's been able to supply a sub-2 ERA, but when you wind up getting late in the game, you really can't have a lot of faith in Chick Kenley Jansen. We wound up seeing that on Sunday Night Baseball as he, along with Will Smith, Colin McHugh, Jackson Stevens, all these guys have an ERA that's hovering in the pocket of about a 3-3 to a 3-60. You've been able to have some good innings out of Jesse Chavez, Asus Cruz as well. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, this is no longer a bullpen that is just absolutely terrible. Brian Hand has actually been able to do a nice job for this team. Corey Knable has been a little bit up and down this season, but he'll be able to find it. Yeah, you really can't have a lot of faith in his jurisdiction familiar. He's Spanish for blown safe for a reason. Mark Capel wound up getting just called up to the big leagues if I remember remember correctly, I thought that he was the former number one overall pick, so might have a little bit of upside there, but I do take a look at this Philadelphia Phillies team. I think that Ranger Suarez is going to start to rein it in a little bit more at home, even with having Bryce Harper out of the fold. This is still a very formidable lineup, and I do think that Kyle Wright doing for some negative aggression on the road, even though he has been able to get some good swings and misses as he's generating right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings. So, was willing to take the Phillies as long as I was getting a plus 120 or greater. We have been able to get there. Want upsetting my total at an 8.4 as well. I would personally rather have an 8 over rather than have an 8.5 under. So looking at the 8 over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. 907-908 on the betting board. We got the Miami Marlins. They're on the road facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals as Andre Pallanti is going to be on the bump for St. Louis. And Cindy Alcantara is going to be on the bump for Miami. Miami is finding themselves anywhere between a minus 110 to a minus 120 favorite. And for St. Louis, you're going to be getting them anywhere between a even money price and a plus 110. 7.5 is your total with the over and the under. It is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And I'm willing to lay up to a minus 123 with the Miami Marlins. So seeing this at a pick price on the start really appealed to me. We've seen the money start to come in on the Miami Marlins. So we've seen this in a lot of places go from more around a minus 105 to a minus 110 to a minus 120, but even at a minus 120, I'd be willing to lay it because Alcantara, when it comes to the Cy Young race, he and Joe Musgrove, along with, I'll throw in there, Tony Gonsolin, needs to be towards the top. Alcantara wound up getting banged around a little bit in his last start against the New York Mets. He wound up having some unfortunate circumstances and just some general bad luck that wound up happening in that one, but even still, in his five starts thus far this month in the month of June. He's got a buck 86 ERA, has won at least seven innings, and now each out of his last, and I don't think that this is a typo here, nine starts giving up two runs or fewer in all but that one 
against the New York Mets. This guy's been amazing at home. He's been amazing on the road. He gets right around eight strikeouts per nine innings, but the command is there right around two and a half walks per nine innings. He's given up a half home run per nine innings, which I think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression there. And Andre Pallanti, I don't think should be much of an underdog in this spot either because he has been able to do a solid job. Now with Mr. Pallanti, the one thing that you do fear with them is that they might be doing for a little bit of negative regression because this is not someone that's going out there getting a whole bunch of swings and misses right around six and a half strikeouts per nine innings. So he's not necessarily some sort of a flamethrower. Wound up actually coming out of the bullpen earlier this season and this is a gentleman that will put a couple guys on base cheaply. He's giving up right around four walks per nine innings, but with that said, this is also a case in which he's been able to do a nice job being able to keep the ball in the yard as he's given up right around .7 home runs per nine innings. Once again, I do think that there might be a little bit of a fall off with that regard, especially with him having thrown only about 49 or so innings thus far this season, but you also take a look at what he's been able to do in St. Louis. It's actually been far worse than what he's done on the road. Buck 31, road ERA, 257, home ERA, and then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals bullpen. It is leaps and bounds better than that of the Miami Marlins. Like Lewis Head, for instance, and I believe that he's now on the injured list because he's been so bad. He had a buck 12 ERA entering into the month of June, and now it's hovering right around a 5-ish. Anthony Bass, he's been able to do a solid job. He's been posting up an ERA, and it's hovering right around a 2, but you take a look at some of the other guys that you've got. Tanner Scott has been posting up north of a 4 ERA. Zach Pop along with Dylan Floro, Richard Blyer. All these guys are north of a 475. Meanwhile, Ryan Elsley, sub-1 ERA, Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera. These guys have been very solid for this bunch as well. And then for St. Louis, got guys that are able to get on base for you. As Paul Goldschmidt hitting nearly a 350 for this team. He's been able to supply 18 home runs. Brendan Donovan has been a little bit in and out of the fold, but he looks to be now fully healthy, north of a 400 base out of him. Juan Yepes, Nolan Arenado, Tommy Edmond, these guys are in between about a 270 to 285. Yepes has been able to give the team some power recently. Arenado, 14 home runs overall this season, and then for the Miami Marlins, you do have some struggling superstars out there as Avicio Garcia, Asus Sanchez, Jacob Stallings, Ode Soler. They're in a 230 or lower for Soler. He has been able to get the team a double digit amount of homers. And Jess Chislam, right around 14 home runs, hitting at 255. That's been rock solid along Garrett Cooper, hitting above a 300. But the Cardinals, they do have this Marlins team outgunned with regards to the bullpen and the lineup. But Sandy Alcantara has been incredibly impressive. I'm going to lay up to a minus 123 or with Miami Marlins with that starting pitching advantage. I think that both of these teams are going to be held down on offense. Alcantara just everywhere that he's went has been lights out despite the fact that. St. Louis has been playing right around 60% of their home games over the total. I did wind up saying this total at a 6.7. So looking under and looking fish. 909 and 10 on the betting board. We've got the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati. They're under the road face off against the Chicago Cubs. No total up on this game. That'll be decided in the AM because it is always involving the wind with regards to how they wind up placing this total. But with the Cubbies. You're going to be finding them in between a minus 125 and a minus 135 favorite. Right around plus 115 across the board is what you're finding on the Cincinnati Reds. And I am willing to lay a minus 148 here with the Cubs. And from what I was seeing, the wind is most likely going to be blowing in in Wrigley Field, but very, very lightly. It should not wind up causing too much of a sway either way. I figured that it would be 6 to 8-ish miles per hour, give or take a little bit. And even with the wind blowing in, Hunter Green, he is giving up bombs, and I think that he's going to continue to give up bombs. Says, this is a man that has been giving up, and I'm not even kidding here, right around three home runs per nine innings. 20 bombs given up in 70 innings thus far this season. So 
that has been a little bit of an issue for him. And then his walks per nine rate is hovering right around four. Now, he's been able to do a good job of being able to get some swings and misses, as this is someone whose strikeouts per nine rate is right in the pocket of about 11. And then for Justin Seal, walks have been an issue for him as well. He's given up right around four walks per nine innings, but on the contrary, he does a great job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. His home runs per nine rate, that over is right in the pocket about a .7, and he's been so much better at home than he has been on the road. 729, road ERA for Steele, 330 ERA at home, and opponents are hanging right around 80 points lower off of him at home. you got to feel like there's going to be a little bit of negative regression there, and for Hunter Green, he's actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home, but I mean, regardless, home or road, he's given up bombs as he's given up 11 home runs in 39 and two-thirds innings on the road and for the Reds home and road splits when it comes to bats have been a big thing as well as this is a Reds team that they're hitting right around 40 to 45 points lower when they're on the road rather than at home their runs per game winds up falling by right around two points now big reason why is because a lot of their early games where they were really struggling wanted coming on the road and Joey Votto ever since coming off the COVID IL he's been able to give the team a 350 on base you've got Brandon Drury he's hitting at 270 he's been able to supply 15 home runs but Jonathan India since coming off the injured list he has really struggled. You do have guys like Max Schrock, Albert Armora Jr. will be able to get on base as well as Kyle Farmer. These guys are in between about a 265 to a 285 and for the Chicago Cubs. Got a lot of guys who are able to get on base for this team as well. It's Christopher Morell at the top, sitting right around 260. Rafael Ortega, Ian F, Wilson Contreras. They're in between about a 265 to a 280. Contreras 12 home runs, and for Patrick Wisdom, he's been able to give the team 14 home runs this far this season. Problem is, he's also on base to strike out more than 200 times, and both of these bullpens are absolutely terrible. They're both in the bottom four. In terms of bullpen, here, Scott Efres, Rowan Wick, who were very good at the beginning of the season. They went straight down the toilet bowl, and as a matter of fact, the Cubs' bullpen ERA over the last three days is north of six, and for the Cincinnati Reds, they're dead last in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Alexis Diaz is currently on the injured list. Jeff Hoffman is on the injured list. These were your two trust, most trustworthy relievers. Darty Moneta as north of a 7 ERA. Revier San Martin is north of a 10 ERA. Art Warren under Strickland are just terrible in general. Luis Sessa, he's posting up a 5.50 ERA. So I do think that the Cubs in the end should be able to get it done. And even with the wind blowing in a little bit, I still think that this is going to be a relatively high scoring game. Nine or less going to be taking a look at an over nine and a half prior to the under. I made the Cubs a minus 148 favorite. So one to take them in some form or fashion. We don't have a run line because currently we don't have a total, but I'm going to be looking at them, whether it be money line or run line. 9-11, 9-12 on the bang board. The LA Dodgers hit the road to face off against the Colorado Rockies. One Urban Marquez is going to be going for Colorado, and Julio Arias is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers, they are finding themselves in between a minus 180 to a minus 190 favorite, and for Colorado, you're able to get them any routine, a plus 160 to a plus 165 with 11 to 11 and a half being your total on the 11 and a half. The under is any between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is any between even a minus 105. On the 11, the over is minus 120, and the under is even. And with Irma Marquez and company, I needed at least a plus 180 to be able to take a shot on Colorado. And if you're looking at the run line of the LA Dodgers, you're currently finding it pretty much a minus 120 across the board. I was willing to lay up to a minus 130 because things do wind up getting airbrained and high scoring out there in Colorado. And for Irma Marquez, he has given up at least three runs at all but three of his starts thus far this season. It has not mattered Homer Road. It hasn't mattered the competition that he's been playing. This guy has just been giving up runs. 558 ERA overall. And it's actually worse at home. 670 OMERA. 421 ERA in the road as 
14 home runs is what he surrendered overall this season. 12 of those Avada coming at home. And it's not even like the walks have been too terrible. He's given up right around 3.1 to 3.2 walks per nine innings, but he's just given up rockets at this point. His opponents are getting a 317 off of him at home. And for Uli Orias, out of his 20 wins from last season, 13 of them wanted coming on the road. And he's been better on the road once again this season. 236 road ERA, 262 home ERA. Out of his five wins, three of them. Alvada coming away from home. He's given up five home runs and 42 innings away from Dodger Stadium. And at Chavez Ravine, seven bombs given up in 34 in a third inning. So it's been very curious to take a look at that. And for the LA Dodgers, it's been a lot of the guys you wouldn't expect doing a good job out there in the bullpen. Yancy Almonte has a sub-1 ERA as of right now. Evan Phillips, Alex Vasilla, they've come in. They've given the team good innings. Reyes Bonanta has a sub-2 ERA. Meanwhile, Broussard or Gradrol, north of a 3-5 ERA. Craig Kimbrell has not been trustworthy all season long. And for the Colorado Rockies, it's not necessarily too much of a trustworthy bullpen, but guys like a Lucas Gilbreth, Justin Lawrence, these guys that have been just really bad whenever they've been on the road, they've actually been significantly better at home. Robert Stevenson has had some very demonstrative home and road splits as well as he's actually been a guy that has been posting up right around 564 ERA. That has been pretty terrible for this team, and you do take a look at the Colorado Rockies, once again, going back to home and road splits with them because when they're at elevation, they're just a completely different team when it comes to hitting because they're hitting right around 40 points higher at home than they are on the road, but the big thing for this team is the power. C.J. Crone, for instance, entering into Tuesday, 17 total home runs, 13 of them have come at home. Brandon Rogers, 6 home runs going into Tuesday, all 6 of them have come at home. They do wind up getting Chris Bryant off the injured list. That should be able to help this team out a little bit, and for the LA Dodgers, they're still dealing with the Max Muncy injury, but you've got Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, both at the top of the fold, hitting above a 300, and then you've got other guys getting on base. Gavin Lux hitting just below a 300, but you've been dealing with guys like Trace Thompson, Max Muncy, Austin Barnes being in the fold. That's a little bit of an issue. Will Smith, whenever he's been in the lineup, has been able to do a solid job of being able to get jiggy with it, but Cody Bellinger, ever since he won winning that MVP award, has not necessarily been the same guy, but I do think that Julio Diaz is going to be able to lend a relatively solid start. Irma Marquez has actually been able to do a little bit better recently as well as after it was a total hot mess start to the season from you take a look at what he was able to do in his last start against Minnesota seven and two-thirds angle scores he has a lot of grand total six runs over his last three starts so perhaps things are starting to turn around a little bit for him set my total at an 11.2 so at 11 and a half I'm going to be willing to take a look at an under end with the Dodgers one to lay up to a minus 130 on the run line with them so look at Dodgers run line and looking under 913 and 14 on the bank board the New York Yankees are going to be playing off the Oakland A's Cole Irvin is going to be on the bump for Oakland and Jamison Tyon is on the bump for the Yankees. When it comes to the Yankees, you're able to find them anywhere between minus 265 and minus 280. If you're looking for Oakland, it's anywhere between plus 225 and plus 250. And your total on this game is anywhere between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8, the over is minus 120. The under is even on the 8.5. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. I need it at least a plus 235 to take a shot here on Oakland. We have gotten there on the run line, but if you take a look at this Yankees money line, I was willing to lay up to a minus 135 there. We are seeing it anywhere between minus 125 and minus 135. This is one of these instances in which I would rather lay the Yankees run line rather than take a plus 235. And typically, I'm a sucker for taking these big, giant, plus money underdogs, but they're making it really tough here with the Oakland A's because this team is just putrid right now. This is an Oakland A's bunch that you take a look at their entire starting lineup and you don't really have a single guy that's able to hit above a 250 for this bunch. The bullpen has really regressed. They're now in the bottom five in terms of bullpen ERA. AJ Puck along with Sam Mall 
both of these guys have been able to give you a sub-3 ERA, and you've been able to get a couple of okay innings from time to time out of Austin Brody. He's become the long guy for this team, but man, things have really regressed in a bad way for them. And Cole Irvin has become one of your more trustworthy starters. A 329 ERA overall. Now he's given up a little bit too much of the deep ball. Given up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. Now that is because he's a pitcher contact guy. Only getting right around 6.2 strikeouts per nine innings. And to his credit, it's been able to lock it in with regards to the walks to an at Fox per nine innings. But I did think that when you wind up going against the New York Yankees, that is a big giant situation that you want to be avoiding. Because when it comes to the New York Yankees, you've currently got Aaron Judge who has been just a man possessed hitting right around 290, 28 home runs thus far this season. Anthony Rizzo, he's only going to get 220, but 20 home runs out of him. Jose Trevino, Isaiah Caner Falefa, DJ Turned Up LeMayu, Marwin Gonzalez, all these guys are in between about a 260 to a 275. Josh Johnson has a 330 on base. Clay has been a little bit banged up along John Carlos Sand. Both of these guys wound up missing the game yesterday, but both of these guys, double digit amount of bombs, they're able to get on base. And for the Oakland A's, you just don't have any of that. Christian Bethencourt with his 240 batting average, really the top player in terms of that for the Oakland A's. Just really a hopeless and sad situation. Seth Brown is the only guy that has been able to give this team more than eight home runs thus far this season. So even with setting the Oakland A's at right around a plus 235-ish with what I'd be needing on the money line, I would rather take the run line here of the New York Yankees just because the Oakland A's are that unbackable of a side right now. And when it comes to total, I did want to sing it at an 8.4 because I think that the Yankees... Could wind up being able to get something like a 6-2 style win, and that winds up keeping it under on an 8.5. So, here at an 8.5, I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and I'm looking at the Yankees run line. 9-15, on the bank board. The Texas Rangers hit the red face off against the Kansas City Royals as Dane Dunning is going to look to get her Dunning for Texas, and Zach Greinke is going to be on the bump for Kansas City. Kansas City is finding themselves as a slight underdog here. Any between even money on plus 110, between minus 115 and minus 120 is your price on Texas, and your total is 9 over minus 150. The under is minus 105, and I didn't mind saying my total on a 9.1. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and a big reason why is because with this Texas bunch, you got a guy in Dane Dunning whose home and road splits are incredibly demonstrative. He, over the last two years now, has had an ERA that has been nearly three points higher on the road than it has been at home. Then again, you don't know what to expect out of Zach Granke either. You want a man that is giving you no swings and misses whatsoever. That'd be Granke. 4.5 strikeouts per nine innings now. Does a great job in terms of command. He's giving up sub two walks per nine innings, but at his advanced age of 38, not necessarily too terrific there. And he's got very demonstrative home and road splits as well. 228 home ERA, 690 road ERA. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression for him at home. Positive progression on the road as He's given up seven home runs thus far this season. All seven have actually wound up coming on the road and for Dunning. He's got a 6.03 Brody area thus far this season with giving you just three home runs in 34 and a third innings. He's given up five bombs in 47 and two-thirds innings at home, but opponents are getting nearly 100 points higher off of him on the road. I do think that he's going to be able to reel that in a little bit. And for Texas, this is an offense that is able to supply for this bunch as Corey Seager, along with Adolis Garcia. Both have 15 home runs thus far this season for Garcia. He's been able to supply 9 home runs and a 300 batting average over the last 30 days. Nate Lowe, Jonah Heim, both of these guys have been able to give you 10 home runs. Marcus Simeon, the offense has really started to regress for him as he, along with Corey Seager, throwing their Brad Miller, Charlie Culberson, these guys are in between about a 210 to a 230, but even Cole Calhoun has been able to pick it up a little bit and then for the Kansas City Royals. Bobby Wood Jr. has been able to do a nice job of being able to lend the team a little bit more power recently as over the last three days, five home runs, hitting right around 240. 
for this bunch. The RBI has been there for them, but I mean, with this Kansas City Royals team, you just don't have guys that could consistently get on base. Nicky Lopez, MJ Melendez, Kyle Isabel, they're all in between about a 210 to a 225 with Merrifield hitting a 235, and that's actually an improvement from what we wound up seeing recently. They've been without Salvador Perez for quite a while. Michael A. Taylor is hitting right around 275, and you do have Andrew Benatendi who's been able to hit nearly a 300 all season long, but for the Kansas City Royals, this is a bottom five bullpen in the big leagues in terms of ERA and deadlines in the American League. Despite the fact that Scott Barlow has a sub-2 ERA, Josh Shamout has been able to do a solid job as well, but Josh Shamout, he's now on the injured list as well. Amir Garrett north of a 6 ERA, Taylor Clark north of a 5 ERA, Jose Cuas is now going to be thrusted into some big situations. Matt Peacock has a 5 ERA, so that's not great. And for the Texas Rangers, this is a top-10 team in terms of their bullpen ERA. Brock Burke has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Joe Barlow has been able to come in. He's been able to hold down the fort. Jose LeClerc a lot a few years ago was actually one of the best closers out there in the big leagues. We'll see if he's able to return to format more. He was a bad starter, but coming out of the bullpen, he's been able to provide a sub-250 ERA himself. So I'm feeling rather bullish. On this Texas Rangers team, I do think that Dean Dunning, his home and road splits, should be a little bit worrisome, but I think that Cranky is going to wind up getting lit up in this game a little bit as well, and the Rangers going to be able to win this game with their bullpen. I'm going to lay up to a minus 122 here with Texas, so looking at the Rangers, and I'm looking at this 9 over as well, 917-918 on the betting board. You've got the Baltimore Orioles. They're going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against the Seattle Mariners as Chris Flexen is going to be going for Seattle and Austin both. He is going to be on the bump for Baltimore, and this is going to be the DK Nation pick as you've got the Seattle Mariners finding themselves in between a minus 128 to a minus 135 favorite, and then if you're taking a look at Baltimore, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 115 and plus 121, and your total on this game is 8. The under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. DK Nation pick here is going to be on the total, and we're going to be taking a look at the over with Austin both. He's actually made now a pair of starts for the Baltimore Orioles, and hasn't been too bad, but I do think that there might be a little bit of negative regression to this. A guy that overall this season has a 781 ERA, road ERA north of a 9, and that's with 13 total appearances. Now, only 15 and two-thirds innings because he was being utilized by the Washington Nationals as a little bit more of a bullpen piece, so you can't expect him to necessarily be lending a lot of length. Wasn't able to lend a lot of length as a starter, and in his two starts overall, Five and two-thirds innings has given up just one run, but I do suspect that this could wind up coming back to bite him a little bit. And then for Chris Flexen, after he was absolutely amazing at home last season, things have started to regress for him a little bit. Two or three runs allowed in each out of his last five starts. He has went five and a third innings or fewer in four of them as well. So as an SC been able to lend a lot of length, still has been a little bit better at home than he's been on the road. 382 home ERA compared to a 471 ERA on the road. Has been able to do a solid job giving up right in the neighborhood about five home runs in his 35 and a third innings. But overall, 1.3 home runs per nine innings and the walks. Those are up. He's been giving up right around 3.2 walks per nine innings. And the big thing for Chris Flexen is those walks because this is not a guy that's going to go out there and he's going to be able to give you a lot of swings and misses. As he's been able to give you right around six half strikeouts per nine innings. And this is a Seattle Mariners team that they do still have guys in the fold, even with Ty France on the injured list. They're able to get on base. J.P. Crawford, Julio Rodriguez in between a 262 and 270. Now, I will throw this in there. J.P. Crawford has been in an almighty funk for the team, but Enrique Suarez, 
along with Jesse Winker, Taylor Tramline. These guys are going to be available because right now all these Seattle Mariners guys, they're appealing the suspension from that brawl that we wound up seeing over the weekend. They're in between about a 225 to 240 with Suarez, being able to provide right around 325 on base, 13 home runs as far as the season. Bottom of the full, guys like Cal Raleigh, Abraham Toro, they have not been able to give you a whole lot of lot, but for Baltimore, all of a sudden, it's been an offense that has been able to do a solid job of being able to bat the ball. As Austin the Say's kid, Dre Boomo Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle, all these guys are in between about a 270 to 290. Cedric Mullins, he has really been able to pick it up recently as well. You wind up having a really bad start to the season, but you take a look at what he's been able to do over the last 30 days, hitting right around a 295 for this bunch. Adelie Rushman hitting only a 235 overall this season, but once again, you take a look at recent form with him. You want it coming up from the AAA level, and in the last three weeks, he's been able to hit a 300 for this bunch, being able to get a trio of homers in that time span. Orde Mateo is only hanging right around 200, but 19 stolen bases at top of the league in terms of stolen bases. And for Baltimore, it's been a bullpen that has been one of the best out there in the big leagues, but I do sense that we're going to get a little bit of negative regression here. You've right now got five different guys that have been posting up an ERA of a 2-1 or greater. This is just not sustainable at this point as you've got Dylan Tate, Ore Lopez, Nick Vespi throwing their CNL Perez and Felix Batista all being able to do so. And then on top of that, Keegan Aiken, the long guy, 235 ERA. It's just one of those cases which I do think that these guys are relatively solid, but I don't know if they're going to be able to maintain this. Part of the reason why I do like this total over for DK Nation as well is because this is going to be a 110 local time game for Seattle. We just noticed that with these West Coast ballparks, the scoring really winds up going up during these day games as well. And for Seattle, they don't wind up backing up their starter and Mr. Flexen with necessarily the world's greatest bullpen. The Seattle Mariners last year have won the best out there in the big leagues. And this season, you take a look at a lot of these guys, and they have regressed big time. Diego Castillo has an ERA that's north of a 4-5. It's really been Ben Murphy and Eric Swanson who have been your most trustworthy relievers for this team. They're kicking the tires on Ken Giles, hoping to be able to get a little bit out of him. But Ryan Baruki, north of a 4 ERA. Matthew Fessa, right around a 4-4 ERA. He's been banged up. Drew Second Rider was so bad that he wanted getting DFA'd. So I do think that the Baltimore Orioles are going to be able to generate a little bit of offense in this circumstance. And you did take a look at this Baltimore Orioles team, and they had scored four plus runs in four of their last five games entering into Tuesday. So they've been in good recent form with that regard. So DK Nation pick is going to be on the over. I do think that Chris Flexen going to be able to lend a relatively solid start because with Austin both getting the start, you got to figure that this is a Baltimore Orioles bullpen that in order to be able to get it done and get the win, they're probably going to need to provide 18 ounces as well. So I did why I'm saying my total at 88.6. DK Nation pick is going to be on the over with Seattle. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 145 in the spot. So looking Mariners and DK Nation pick on the over. 919, 920 on the bang board. You've got the Toronto Blue Jays. They're going to be playing us the Boston Red Sox. Nick Pavetta is going to be on the bump for the Sox. And you've got Alec Manoa is going to be going for Toronto. Toronto between a minus 138 and minus 150 favorite. Meanwhile, Boston is any 14 a plus 130 to a plus 137 underdog. 8.5 is your total. The over is any 14 minus 115 and even money. The under is any 14 minus 120 and minus 105. With Toronto, I was willing to lay up to a minus 153 with them, so I'm going to be willing to take them. I don't really want a run line with the way that you've been able to see Nick Pavetta be able to come out and perform for this Boston Red Sox team because Pavetta, even last season, he wound up having better stats on the road rather than at home. He wound up having right around a 3.8 road area compared to a 5.40 at home. Thus far this season, it's been relatively equal 280 home ERA now to a 365 road ERA. So recently he's been able to really kick it up at home. But 
Overall, he's given up right around one home run per nine innings. 212 is the opponent's batting average. And what has been really impressive about Nick Pavetta, right around three walks per nine innings last year. That was quite a bit higher. And you just take a look at the way that Nick Pavetta is coming on in general. In his last six starts, has posted up a 203 ERA, allowing just nine runs in that time span. He has a lot of three home runs, but still has been very solid. And Alec Manoa, whenever he's been in Toronto, because there wound up being a couple starts last season that he wound up making out there in the state of New York. He has been lights out his career. ERA in Toronto is right around 2, 215 thus far this season at home in seven starts. He's given up just two home runs and seven walks across 46 innings. Swing and miss stuff is down a little bit from last season, but opponents are just a 207 off of him. Now, the one fear that you do have with the Blue Chase is that this is a bullpen that they don't necessarily back him up, the world's greatest, but with the way that Manoa has not been giving up a lot of walks, that means that the bullpen winds up getting mitigated a little bit, and you do have some guys that are halfway decent out there in this bullpen. Matt Gage, small sample size thus far, but a sub-1 ERA out of him. David Phelps, Tim Meza, they've been able to provide right around a 3-ish ERA. Yimi Garcia has been halfway decent. Adam Simber, he had a little bit of a tough COVID a few weeks ago, but I still have a little bit of faith in him. And then guys like Jeremy Beasley, Julia Merriweather, they currently injured Trevor Rogers, who have been providing north of a 6 ERA. And for the Boston Red Sox, Ita Kazusada has been doing a very solid job with the CM along John Schreiber. Schreiber has a sub-2 ERA, but you do have your fears with Ansel Robles. He's got north of a 5 ERA. Ryan Brazier, after a really bad start to the year overall, has a 4-3 ERA. But if you take a look at him over the last 30 days, his last 10 appearances, 225 ERA, he's been able to lock in a little bit more. But you do take a look at this Toronto Blue Jays lineup, and you've got one of the best hitting catchers out there in the big leagues in Alejandro Kirk, who's sitting above a 300. Fly Guerrero Jr., Boba Shett, along George Springer. At the top, they're all in between about a 250. 2A270 with Liger Jr. going deep 18 times thus far this season to ask Hernandez in the last three days. He's been aiming well above a 300 in them for the Boston Red Sox. You've got the trio at the top in Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, all in between about a 320 to a 335 with Devers. He's been able to go deep 18 times thus far this season. Whenever you've got Jaron Duran out there, he's been hitting nearly a 300 as well. Even with home run yesterday, bottom of the fold has been a little bit of an issue. Like Trevor Story is hitting about a 225, 12 home runs and north of 50 RBI, but still. You want a little bit more there. Franchi Cordero, Christian Arroyo, these guys have been a little bit less than trustworthy. Jackie Bradley Jr. always out there just for his glove, but even Christian Vasquez to be able to 285 in the ancillary parts for the Toronto Blue Jays, like Lourdes Gurriel is hitting at 285. You've got someone like Santiago Espino who's been able to do a solid job. He's hitting right in the neighborhood of about a 265 as well, so this is a spot in which I was willing to set the Blue Jays up to a minus 153 in this spot. I would need at least a plus 135 on the run line to take a shot there. I'm seeing a lot of plus 135s, but I'd rather play it safe. I'd rather take more around a minus 143 to a minus 145 money line here with the Blue Jays because I do think that it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game with the way that Pavetta has been pitching recently and the way that Manoa has been on his game in general. Semi-total at 7.7, so looking under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Jays on the money line. 921-922 on the bank board. The Minnesota Twins at the red face-off against the Cleveland Guardians. Cal Quantrill is going to be going for the Guardians, and Dylan, don't call him, Al Bundy is going to be on the bump for Minnesota. The Twins are finding themselves anywhere between even money and minus 105. Meanwhile, with Cleveland, anywhere between minus 107 and minus 115 is your price. 8.5 to 9 is your total. On the 9, the under is minus 120. The over is even. On the 8.5, the over is minus 115. And the under is even. And with Cleveland, I didn't mind saying them at a minus 126. So I'm going to be willing to lay it because Cal Quantrill has been just so consistent. In his last 28 appearances, he's allowed three runs or fewer in 26 of them. So 
has been very good to see him just time and time again coming out doing his part now. The one thing with Cal Quantrill is that the walks have been up a little bit this season. He's been giving up right around three walks per nine innings. Never known as a guy that is going to just absolutely put it past you. As a matter of fact, he's getting fewer than six strikeouts per nine innings thus far this season. But it's also been better in Cleveland rather than on the road. This is relatively comparable to last season as well. 321 home area. 441 ERA on the road with opponents saying a 220 off of him at home, 295 on the road. And for Dylan Bundy, he has really had his struggles with the deep ball. He's got a 480 ERA and when he's been on the road, it has been very difficult for him because Minnesota, one of the more pitcher-friendly ballparks out there in the big leagues, he's given up three home runs there in his five total starts. He's made seven starts on the road. He's given up seven home runs across 34 and a third innings and opponents. They wind up hitting significantly better off of him. And for Dylan Bundy, not a lot of swing and miss for him. That is a big giant issue as he's only getting right around seven punch outs per nine innings. Now, his box per nine rate is sub two, and he's backed up by a bullpen that is halfway decent. Yohan Duran currently leads the big leagues in terms of pitches thrown at 100 plus miles per hour. He's been able to post up right around a three-ish ERA, actually a little bit less than that. And then you've also got a few guys like a Griffin Jackson is able to give you some innings. He's posting up right around 275 ERA. Josh Smith, after he wound up seeing a little bit of regression, he's been able to rein it in. He's still got a sub-3 ERA, but we have been seeing guys like a Caleb Theobar who wound up getting used up yesterday, not be good. Ty Duffy, he's got north of a 5 ERA as well, and both of these teams did wind up having to burn through quite a bit of their bullpen in the double dip yesterday, and for the Minnesota Twins, got a lot of guys getting a base for the team, as you got Byron Buxton, who's getting a home run every about 11 or so at-bats. Ore Palenco is back in fold, as he, Gio Urshela, Nick Flash, Gordon, these guys have been able to between about a 240 to 260. Max Kepler is sort of in that fold as well. Luis Rice has been able to hit about a 340. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Cleveland Guardians. And it's been all about Jose Ramirez and what he's able to do. 16 home runs, north of 60 RBI thus far this season. So he has been the main table setter for the team. And for the Guardians, you just don't have a lot of guys that are able to provide a lot of power. Nobody outside of Ramirez with the double-digit amount of homers. But a lot of his home runs, they have been multi-run shots. Because you've got Richie Palaceros, Oscar Gonzalez, Josh Naylor, Stephen Kwan, and Rosario, only between about a 275 to 295. Ernie Clement and guys like this at the bottom of the fold have been a little bit rough, but you've got a big amount of this lineup who have been able to get on base for this Guardian team. And with the Guardians, Emmanuel Classe has just been a lights-out closer for this team all season long. They've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Nick Sandlin, but Eli Morgan, Sam Entages, these are two guys that have been able to provide a sub-3 ERA, and with Entages, he did wind up getting used up yesterday. That is probably going to hurt this team a little bit, but even someone like a Trevor Seaman is able to come in. He's going to be able to give this team some solid innings. So I do think that Kyle Quantrill going to be able to give a better start here than Dylan Bundy with both of these teams having to dive into their bullpen with a double dip yesterday. I do think that that's going to be hurting them a little bit in this start today, which is why I do mind saying my total at a 9.3. So I'm looking over and I'm willing to lay up to a minus 125 with Guardians. So looking at the Guardians to go along with that over 923 and 924 on the betting board, the Chicago White Sox hit the red face off against the LA Angels. Shohei Otani is going to be going for the Halos and Michael Kopech is on the bump for the Southsiders. White Sox in between a plus 140 to a plus 154 underdog with LA. It's any between minus 155 and minus 165. 7.5 to 8 is your total. On the 8, under is minus 120. The over is even on the 7.5. Over is minus 115. And the under is minus 105. With the Angels, I want to make them a minus 141 favorite. So, getting north of a plus 140 here with the Chicago White Sox. I'm going to be one to nibble. You've got guy Michael Kopeku. He has been getting a little bit lucky thus far this season. His batting average on balls in play, that has been rather high. And 
you do take a look at Michael Kopech and the walks per nine being right around four. That is a little bit of an issue. You got to feel like the opponent's batting average going to be going up a little bit from the buck 57 that we've seen right now. He's given up just four home runs in 62 and two-thirds innings, but guy has good wipeout stuff. He has been getting those home runs given up on the road as well. Four home runs given up in 28 innings, 321 ERA. So I think that that's relatively representative of what we can expect here on for Shohei Otani. He has always been better at home rather than on the road with regards to his pitching. Last year, he wound up having a red ride at two ERA at home, nearly a five on the road. This year, 245 home ERA, 341 road ERA, and the guy has just been lights out with regards to the swing and miss stuff as he has been able to supply right around 11 after 12 strikeouts for nine innings, giving up 1.2 home runs per nine. And the big thing for Shohei Otani, walks are way down, right around 2.1 to 2.2 walks per nine innings with the Chicago White Sox. You do have guys that are able to get on base for this team. Tim Anderson hitting well above a 325 for the team. Andrew Vaughn hitting right around about a 315. Luis Robert has been hitting just below 300. You do have a couple guys like Yohan Moncada, Lurie Garcia who have been a little bit banged up. Moncada coming back is big, but both of these guys hitting below a 200. With that said, you got Jose Abreu over the last three days has been hitting well above 300 after a rough start to the season. Sebi Zavala has honestly been a little bit better than Yasmani Grandal at the catcher spot this season. Hitting nearly a 275 entering into yesterday, but Gavin Cheats, you need a little bit more from him. For the Angels, you've got a quadrant of guys who have been able to give you double-digit about formers. Otani and Jared Walsh are both hitting at 260. Combined 29 home runs. Mike Trout hitting at 285 with nearly a 400 on base. 22 home runs. Taylor Ward since coming off the injured list of adding average has been a little bit rough, but is still hitting above 311 home runs out of him. Bottom of the fold, you've had guys like Luis Redifo, Brendan Marsh, even able to throw in there. David McKinnon, they're hitting between about a 232 and 240, which is honestly a little bit better than what we've seen in past years, but you'd still like to see a little bit more, and you need to see more out of both of these bullpens. With Liam Hendricks out of the fold, it has been a hot mess for the Chicago White Sox team. Matt Foster is north of a 5 ERA. Joe Kelly has not been able to do the job with a right around 80 ERA. I do like what you're able to get out of Kendall Graveman, but he's really the lone trustworthy guy for this team. And then Ryan Tapera, Aaron Loop, Rossio Iglesias, Expected to be the 7th or ninth inning guys for the LA Angels. Currently all have north of a 3-5 ERA. It's been guys like Jose Quijada who've had to step up for the team. Andrew Wants, he's going to be getting suspended relatively soon. He should be getting on this one. He's got a sub-3 ERA, but both of these bullpens have been rather brutal. So I do think that both of these teams going to be reliant upon the starter. I do think that Otani probably going to lend a little bit more length than Michael Kopech, but... I mean, getting Michael Kopech and north of a plus 140, that does appeal to me. I'm going to be willing to take this plus price. I did when I'm setting my total at a 7.8 as well because of these two bullpens. So looking at the 7.5 over and looking at the plus price here with Chicago, 925-926 on the bank board. The Milwaukee Brewers, they throw to face off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Good old Doobie Determined is going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays, and Eric Lauer is going to be on the bump for the Milwaukee Brewers. So currently we do not have a number up on this game. And Jeffrey Springs, it was looking like was going to get the start for this team, and we've seen a little bit of question mark there, so I am unsure of what we're going to be getting. If it does wind up being Jeffrey Springs, because this would be his time through the rotation, but it looks like they're probably going to wind up saving him until they wind up going to Toronto on Thursday, but if it were to be Jeffrey Springs, I made the race a minus 144 favorite. If it's more of a bullpen game, I would set the Tampa Bay race at a slight Minus 115, minus 120-ish favorite because with Eric Flower, I've begun to sour on him. 6-3 record, 389 ERA, 514 ERA on the road. The swing and miss stuff has been solid for Eric Flower. Right around 9.5 strikeouts per 9 but he's also giving up right around 1.8 bombs per 9. Now, the good news is because he has given up 12 home runs in 42 innings. Pitching in Tampa Bay, that should be able to help him out quite a bit because he is a little bit more of a fly ball guy and... 
when you take a look at both of these teams. Neither of these teams have necessarily been able to get a lot of firepower. The Milwaukee Brewers have William Thomas, who's been able to give you 15 home runs. And then on top of that, you do have Hunter Renfro and Rowdy Tellez, who've been able to give you 12 and 13 bombs apiece. But Hunter Renfro has been dealing with a little bit of an injury for the Milwaukee Brewers. Rowdy Tellez has been hitting right around 250. And you got a lot of guys for the Brewers sitting in that neighborhood of, I would say, about a 245 to a 260. As you've got Tellez, Omar Narvaez, Andrew McCutcheon, Christian Yelich on that fold, and really nobody who wound up getting in a bat yesterday for the Brewers is hitting above a 260, so that is a little bit of an issue for the Tampa Bay Rays. Got a couple guys able to get on base for you here, Ramirez hitting above a 300, and then Yandy Diaz and G-Man Choi are hitting in that neighborhood about a 370 to a 380 in terms of their on base, and they welcome back Wanda Franco in the series as well. I gotta give a little bit of credit here to Isaac Paredes as well. Wound up having a four home run week last week. Guy's been hitting right around a 300 over the last three days, so he has really been able to pick it up, but got a lot of guys at the bottom of the fold for this Tampa Bay Rays team in Rene Pinto, Taylor Walls, Brett Phillips, Josh Lowe, guys like this, Vidal Brujan, who are hitting currently below the middle sign of a 200, but with the Tampa Bay Rays, the overall bullpen is better. The Brewers, they've got that 8th, ninth inning duo in Devin Williams, Josh Hader. It's the most fearsome out there in baseball. Brian Boxberger has been relatively solid, along with Toby Miller, both of those guys, sub-3 ERAs, but when you get into the guys like Trevor Guy, and company that is a little bit of an issue for the Tampa Bay Rays. You've got someone in Jason Adam who has been able to provide a buck 50 ERA thus far this season. Colin Pooch has been able to provide a sub 2 ERA. Ralph Garza Jr. is able to give you a little bit of length. He's posting up right around a 3 4 ish ERA. Even someone like a Matt Weisler has been able to give you a 2 ERA. Brooks Rayleigh has been able to do a solid job. Jalen Beeks is a guy that's able to eat multiple innings. He's got a sub 3 ERA. So if it does wind up being a bullpen game against the Milwaukee Brewers, I will be setting the Rays more on a minus 120 if they move up. Jeffrey Springs, I'd be willing to make this more like a minus 140-ish line, and pretty much in either circumstance, it would be a case of which a 7 or less, I'd be looking at an over 7 half higher. Could be looking at an under now if you wind up having something very untrustworthy for the Rays like Josh Fleming. I might come off this number a little bit just because Josh Fleming, to me, is someone that should not be seeing innings right now for the Tampa Bay Rays, but with that said, initial thoughts there, not knowing who's going to be going for Tampa. 927-928 on the bank board. The New York Mets are going to be playing also Houston Astros. It's Justin Verlander. It's on the bump for the Strohs. The Taiwan Walker is going to be on the bump for the Metropolitan. So on this game, 7F, the over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. For Houston, it's anywhere between minus 118 and minus 125. And you're finding the Mets anywhere between a plus 105 to a plus 113. And with the Mets, I needed at least a plus 124 to be able to take a shot. Willing to lay up to a minus 124 with the Houston Astros. Justin Verlander just has been lights out for the team. The strikeout numbers are not necessarily there with Justin Verlander, unlike in the past. But still, even while getting just about 8.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, be able to keep the ball in the yard. 1.1 home runs per nine innings, sub two walks per nine, and home and road. He has been able to do a very solid job. As a matter of fact, Verlander, 204 road ERA compared to a 248 ERA at home, and he's been backed up by the top bullpen in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Now, do I think that there's going to be a little bit of regression with Ryan Sanek and his sub one ERA and Rafael Moteto posting up right around at two ish ERA? Yes, but still, you've still got a lot of guys like Hector Neris, Phil Main, that they've been able to do their part. Brian Brayu has been able to give you right around a 2 3 ERA for the Houston Astros. You still have plenty of guys that are able to put back to ball for this team. You wound up seeing that on full display yesterday as we've got Kyle Tucker who's been able to give the team 15 home runs. He's hitting nearly a 260. Jeremy Pena, Jose Altuve, both of these guys have right around 275 average. Altuve is 15 home runs. Pena, 9 home runs in relatively a limited amount of at-bats. Jordan Alvarez has went deep over 20 times. He's providing an on-base percentage north of a 400. Now, do you have a couple guys like Jose Siri, the entire catcher spot, Yoli Gurriel, 
You're able to throw in there Elamendi Diaz that they need, need to pick it up at the bottom of the fourth for the Houston Astros, but still got the guys at the top, even in Alex Bregman, saying just a 235 this season, 360 on base. And for the Mets, this is a team that they lead the big leagues in terms of batting averages. Brandon Nimmo, Sterling Marte, Pete Alonso, Marcana, all these guys are in between about a 275 to a 285, and Jeff McNeil, along with Luis Gomorme, are able to hit above a 300 as well. For Alonso, he has been incredible at being able to provide the deep ball, let all the big leagues in terms of home runs per game on the road, and he's got 22 bombs overall thus far this season. Eduardo Escobar has had a little bit of a tough time with it, but he did wind up having a cycle a few weeks ago. And for the Mets, it is a case in which I just can't trust in them because the bullpen is not necessarily as solid. Adam Adafino has posted up an ERA that's hovering right around a three, so he's actually been able to do a solid job recently, but that doesn't take away from the fact that you've got Julie Rodriguez and Jason Shreve giving you north of a 4-5 ERA. Adonis Medina is right in that fold as well. Edwin Diaz has been a relatively solid closer. Drew Smith has been solid as well, but you do take a look at the man that is going to be getting the start in Taiwan Walker, and he is doing for a little bit of regression. Thus far this season, 3.03 ERA, and this is a ballpark that suits him very well because he is a little bit more of a fly ball pitcher, giving up three home runs over the course of 65-plus innings, but you got to feel like this is going to be one of these circumstances in which he's not going to be able to keep this up for too much longer. We wound up seeing that last season where he wound up having a very good start to the season, and then things wound up going straight down the toilet bowl when balls wound up flying over the fence. And if you take a look at fielding independent and as comparison to ERA, it's actually relatively equal. Walker has only given up 2.8-ish walks per 9 innings to 49 home ERA to a 3.30 ERA on the road. But you got to feel like the zero home runs in 21 and two-thirds innings thus far at home this season has been a little bit smoke and mirrors and going up against this Houston Astros lineup. That's not necessarily too terrific. I did want to say my total at some point it is very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark, and I think that Verlander is going to be on his game, and I think that Walker is still going to be able to do a relatively solid job, so I'm looking under, and I'm looking at the Astros, and we wrap things up with 929-930 on the bank board. These San Francisco Giants are going to be playing us to the Detroit Tigers. Ronnie Garcia is going to be going for the Tigers, and Alex Wood is on the bump for San Francisco. San Francisco, any routine, a minus $2 and a minus $210 favorite, seeing a straight minus $190 out there as well. Meanwhile, with the Tigers, it's any routine, plus $170 and plus $187. Eight is your total over and under anywhere team minus 105 minus 115 and I do want to make it my total a 6.9 you got a Tigers team that's averaging right around 2.4 runs per game on the road down Alex Wood has not necessarily been having the most stellar of seasons, but I do think that he's going to be able to hold down a Detroit Tigers team that you just got a big, giant bevy of guys that have not been able to get on base. And for the Detroit Tigers, Javi Baez currently leads the team with seven home runs. They've got 41 as a whole. To put this into perspective, Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo entering into their game yesterday against the Oakland A's at combined 48, but I mean, just take a look at it. Cody Clemens, Robbie Grossman, Eric Haas, Jonathan Scope, Jameer Candelario, Spencer Torkelson, Avi Baez, all hitting a 217 or lower for the team. Miguel Cabrera has been hitting nearly a 300. Whenever the Castros and Harold and Billy Castro have been out there, they've been able to get on base as well, but has been few and far between with regards to those opportunities. So I will say, for the Detroit Tigers, bullpen has been on point for the team. As you've had Willie Peralta be able to post up a sub-2 ERA for the team. Joe Menez has been able to give you some good innings. Bovest wound up getting hit around a little bit recently in that series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but he's been rather trustworthy. Gregory Soto has been a good closer for the team. Been able to get good innings out of Michael Fulmer and for the San Francisco Giants. Last year, they were the only bullpen in the league that wound up having a sub-3 ERA. That has started to regress a little bit, but you got John Brabia, Dominique Leon, 
Jarlon Garcia, all guys giving you a sub-350 ERA. Camilo Duvall has been solid as well, though. Tyler Rogers, he does have a 5-ish ERA. Take a look at him over the last three days. Matt has been a sub-3. He's been raining in a little bit more. Jake McGee, someone that you really can't trust, and he's got a 7 ERA overall this season. That has been an issue. It's been down to a 4 over the last three days as he was a little bit banged up to being in the season, but still not great. But you do take a look at the San Francisco Giants lineup, and you got Jock Peterson who supplied 17 home runs, hitting nearly a 275 for the team. Mike Yastrzemski, he's got a 350 on base. And then you've got quite a few other guys like a Austin Slater, Thario Estrada, hitting between a 255 to a 265. Wilmer Flores, along with Evan Longoria, you're able to throw in their awesome wins, hitting between about a 235 to a 245 as well. Darren Ruff, it has been, well, rough for him thus far this season, just six home runs thus far this year, but in limited doses, he's been a little bit better, 350 on base over the last three weeks for him as well, so I do think that they are going to be able to get to Ronnie Garcia, who, as a young guy, and as a guy that wanted to begin his season out there in the bullpen, he's actually been able to do a halfway decent job in his starts. He's been giving up right around 2.2 walks per nine innings. Big thing for him has been the deep ball, giving up 1.7 home runs per nine innings, pitching out there in San Francisco. Should be able to up a little bit, but this is a giant team, despite the fact that San Francisco has been so pitcher-friendly over the years. They've been able to average right around five runs per game for Garcia. Actually, a 318 roadie compared to a 547 at home, which doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. He does a good job holding teams down as opponents hang just a 215 off of him, but I do think that perhaps a little bit of negative regression going to be coming his way. And for Alex Wood, he has been posting up a 505 ERA thus far this season. And this is he's going to be taking on the Tigers, and the good news is he's got an ERA that's much better at home for 40 home ERA, 559 ERA on the road, and for Wood, he's only given up right around one home run per nine innings, walks per nine rate, and it's right around 2.8. He's been a little bit unlucky on batted balls in play, so I do think that that's going to be ticking upward for him. Semi-total at 6.9 looking under, and with the San Francisco Giants, set them minus 216 on the money line, but if you take a look at the run line, you're finding this at a plus 105. I think that there's a good chance that if the Giants even score just like three or four runs, they could cover this run line with the way that the Tigers have been just not supplying a lot of offense. I'm going to lay up to a minus 110 on that run line. So looking Giants run line and looking at the under and that will wrap things up for the Wednesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Vison Family Podcast. A big thanks to Jared Smith of Pickwise for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from the Sign Podcast Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore one. Keep in mind, letter CM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, terrible fire and whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast, find that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for getting in. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.